Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Guess what I read? What? We have somebody who listens to this podcast named Lilia, who's also a gymnast. Uh-huh. Isn't that cool? What did you read? She just said, hi, I'm Lilla, Lilia, and I'm also a gymnast. Cool. That's so cool. Hi, Lilia. Peyton is a gymnast, too. And we also have somebody that said... I love this book. Please do Harry Potter. Please, thank you. Yeah, hey. I'm gonna scroll through them. I just, I already did. I already did. was just looking in a screenshot ones, um, that we wanted to shout out. But I'm not sure what. Okay, so your name on here is Nor B S Flow. So if you want to say, don't say your last name, but just if you want to say your first name on a comment, we'll totally shout you out. We love shouting people out, and we kind of always forget to do that. So like every once in a while, I'll remember and just do a couple shout outs, but. We love, I love shouting people out. Yes. Yes, she says. Okay. <laughs> and if you're sick of these series, you guys, I'm so sorry. We're almost done. I feel like we committed to it. We got to do it. We have to see it through, you guys. We're in this together. And it's almost over. And we can't give up now. We can't give up now. We've been at this since March. Because we're like total flakes over the summer. It's kind of hard to like set a reading schedule in the summer. Because like we were everywhere. We're like went places for the weekend and we were like visiting people and you had friends here and yeah we kind of got off schedule like multiple times huh okay well here we go a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket book the 10th nope 11th yeah the grim grotto chapter one Oh, five. One? <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't look through. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Okay, ready? Chapter five. Look what I did because I'm a big fat cheater. I can't even wait. I'm like, I just need to know how much longer until the chapter's done. <laughs> Mom, it's hard opening my eyes. Okay, sorry. Oh, also, we'd like to give a shout out to Maria and Analia. Maria is the sweetest, and I do her eyelashes, and she brought me a gift, and we want to say thank you, because guess what Peyton's wearing right now? Um, iPads. She's wearing the gel iPads, and she's relaxing while I read to her. Of course, we have to give our children everything they want. <sighs> Look, after this yawn, we're really going to read. Okay. Ugh. Wake up. Wake up. Let's slap our cheeks. Chapter 5. Don't. I wasn't doing it hard. I was just doing like a... No, 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 no. Oh, thank you. She don't want me to slap my cheeks because I don't want to slap my cheeks. Okay, ready? When you are invited to dine, particularly with people that you do not know very well, it always helps to have a conversational opener, a phrase which means an interesting sentence to say out loud in order to get people talking. Although lately it has become more and more difficult to attend dinner parties without evening and ending, ending in gunfire ending in gunfire oh my gosh oh my gosh or tapioca i keep a list of good and bad conversation openers on 
in my commonplace book in order to avoid awkward pauses at the dinner table. Who would like to see an... Who would like to see an assortment of photographs taken while I was on vacation, for instance, is a poor conversational opener because it's likely that you'll make your fellow diners shudder instead of talk, whereas conversation openers, sentences such as, would, what would drive a man to commit arson? Why do so many stories of true love end in tragedy and despair? And, Madame DeLusso, I believe I've discovered your true identity all of which are likely to provoke discussions, arguments, and accusations, thus making the dinner party much more interesting. When Klaus Baudelaire announced that he'd discovered the location of the Sugar Bowl, it was one of the best conversational openers in the history of dinner gatherings because everyone aboard the Queequeg began talking at once and dinner had not even been served. I... <laughs> I got a little bit too much into that one. I, the Captain Wittershins shouted, you figured out where the tide where the tide took it? I, but you just said you didn't know. I, you said you were confused by the title charts on that oval marked GG. I, and yet you figured it out. You're a genius. I, you're a smarty pants. I, you're a bookworm. I, you're brilliant. I, you're sensational. I, if you find me the sugar bowl, I'll allow you to marry Fiona. Stepfather, Fiona cried, blushing behind her triangular glasses. Don't worry, the captain replied. We'll find a husband for Violet, too. Aye, perhaps we'll find your long-lost brother, Fiona. And he's much older, of course, and he's been missing for years. But if Klaus can locate the sugar bowl, I'll probably find him. Aye, he's a charming man, so you'd probably fall in love with him, Violet. And then we could have a double wedding, aye. Right here in the main hall of the Queequeg, I, I no, would. I know who her brother is, and he is like thirty. Oh, gross! I would be happy to officiate. Ew. I know, right? How old is she? Fourteen or fifteen now? She's like fifteen. Fifteen now? Well, she hasn't had a birthday, so I think she's still fourteen. What a wackadoo! What a Fruit Loop! I have a bow tie that I've been saving for a special occasion. Captain Wooderson's Violet said, let's try and stick to the subject of the sugar bowl. She did not add that she was not interested in getting married to, for quite some time, particularly after it, Count... Yeah, Count Olaf. Yeah, because particularly after Count Olaf tried to marry her in, in one of his early schemes. I, Captain cried, of course. Naturally, I tell us everything, Klaus. We'll eat while you talk. I, Sunny, Cookie, serve the chowder. Chowder is served, announced Phil as he hurried from the kitchen carrying two steaming bowls of thick soup. The youngest Baudelaire trailed behind him. Sunny was still a bit too young to carry hot food by herself, but she had a pepper grinder and circled the table, offering fresh ground pepper to anyone who wanted some. Double pepper for me, Captain Wittershins cried, snatching the first bowl of chowder, although it's more polite to let one's guests be served first. A nice hot bowl of chowder, a double heaping of pepper, the location of the sugar bowl. Aye, that'll be, that, that'll blow the barnacles off me. Aye, I'm so glad I scooped you Baudelaire's out of the stream. Okay, I'm going to be glad when this book is over so I don't have to say aye after every fling fling and sentence he says. 
Uh, I'm glad too, Fiona said, smiling shyly at Klaus. I couldn't be happier about it, Phil said, serving two more bowls of chowder. I thought I'd never see you Baudelaire's again, and here you are, oh, all thought, three of you I grown up nicely. Be, uh, Fiona's dad saying, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. I, like, say, like, I can't believe, I know this isn't what he said, this isn't what he says, but yeah. I can't believe you have a cat, I... I, <laughs> you're funny. You certainly have a harrowing. Ju- Wait, blah, 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 never. Okay, thought I'd never seen that. You're uh, grown up nicely, even though you've constantly pursued an evil villain and falsely accused and falsely been accused of numerous crimes. You certainly have a harrowing journey, Fiona, or have had a harrowing journey, Fiona. Using a word here which means frantic and extremely distressing. I'm afraid we may have another harrowing journey ahead of us, Klaus said when captain wittershins was talking about the philosopher who said all of those said all that life is just a shadow of a shadow in a cave and i realized at once that the oval what the that oval must be a philosopher captain asked that's impossible i absurdio sunny said which meant philosophers live at the top of mountains or ivory towers not underneath the sea I think Klaus means a cave, Violet said, quickly rather than translating. The oval must mark the entrance of the cave. It begins right here near the Anwistle Aquatics, Klaus said, pointing to the chart. The currents of the ocean, oops, sorry, Peyton. The currents of the ocean have brought the sugar bowl right to the entrance, and the currents of the cave would have carried them far inside. But the chart only shows the entrance to the cave, Violet said. We don't know what's inside. Quickly... I wish Quigley was here with his knowledge of maps. He might know the path of the cave. But Quigley isn't here, Klaus said gently. And I guess we're just traveling uncharted seawaters. That'll be fun, said Phil. The Baudelaire's looked at one another. A phrase, The phrase uncharted waters does not only refer to underground locations that do not appear on charts. It is a phrase that can be described any place that is unknown, such as a forest and every witch explorer has been lost, or one's own future, which cannot be known until it arrives. You don't have to be op- you don't have to be an optimist like Phil to find uncharted waters. I myself have spent many enjoyable afternoons exploring the uncharted waters of a book. I have a book I have not read, or hiding in a place discovered in a sideboard, or a word here which means a piece of furniture in the dining room with shelves and drawers that holds various useful items. <sighs> okay, sorry you guys, I just yawned too much. But the Baudelaire's had already spent a great deal of time exploring uncharted waters from the uncharted waters of Lake Lacrimose and its terrifying creatures to the uncharted waters of secrets found in the library of records at Heimlich Hospital to the uncharted waters of Count Olaf's wickedness, where which were deeper and darker than any waters of the sea. After all their uncharted traveling, the Baudelaire orphans were not in the mood to explore any uncharted waters and could not share Phil's optimistic, optimistic enthusiasm. I won't be the first. It won't be the first time that the Queequeg's been un, in uncharted waters, Captain Witterson said. I, most of the sea was first explored by VFD submarines. We thought VFD stood for Volunteer Fire Department, Violet said. Why would a volunteer fire department spend so much time underwater? VFD isn't just a fire department, Captain Sham. Uh, 
Oh my gosh, I keep wanting to say Captain Cham, Captain said, but his voice was very quiet as if he was talking more to himself than to his crew. Aye, it started that way, but the volunteers were interested in everything, every such thing. I was one of the first to sign up for the voluntary fish domestication. Voluntary fish domestication. That was one of the missions of the and whistle aquatics. I I spent a long four years trying to train salmon to swim upstream and search for the forest fires. That was when you were very young. But but your brother worked right alongside me. You should have seen him sneaking extra worms into his favorite's eye. The program was a most success. Aye, but then Cafe Salmonella came along and took away our entire fleet. Aye, historians call it the snicket snickersnee. Aye, but it was the poet that wrote, too many waiters turned out to be traitors. The snicket siblings, Klaus, Klaus was quick to ask. Aye, said the captain, three of them, as each noble as each as noble as the next. Aye, Kit Snicket helped with the helped build this submarine. Aye, Jack Snicket proved that Royal Gardens fire was arson. Aye, and the third sibling, which was the which was the Mars, the what, the Marm Marmosets. You Baudelaire's new Jacques Snicket, didn't you? Asked Fiona, who wasn't that shy about interrupting her stepfather. Very briefly, Violet said. And we recently found a message that was addressed to him. That's how we found it about the Thursday ga- gathering at the last safe place. Nobody would write a message to Jacques, Captain Widdershin said. Aye, Jacques is dead. Edersdegram, Sunny said, and her siblings quickly explained that she meant the initials were J.S., well, that must have been some other J.S., Fiona said. Speaking of mysterious initials, Klaus said, I wonder if Gigi stand, what Gigi stands for. If we knew what the cave was called, then we, we might have a better idea of journey. Aye, Captain Wooderson said. Let's guess. Great Glen? Aye. Green Glade? Aye. Glamorous Glacier? Aye. Gleeful Game Room? Aye. Glass goo- Goulash? Aye. Gothic Government? Aye. Grandma's gingivitis, aye. Girl getting up from the table, aye. Indeed, the captain's stepdaughter had stood up, wiped her mouth with a napkin embroidered with a portrait of Herman Millville, and walked over to the sideboard tucked into the far corner. Fiona opened up a cabinet and revealed a few shelves stuffed with books. Yesterday, I started reading a, a new addition to my mycology mycological library, she said, standing at the tiptoes and reached the shelf. Just... I just remembered reading something that might come in handy. Captain Sham fingered his mustache in astonishment. You and your mushroom molds, the captain said, I thought I'd never live to see your mycological studies to be put to good use. I'm sorry to say he was right. Well, let's see, Fiona said, paging through the thick books entitled Mushroom Min... Oh, gosh. Minute... I don't know that word, you guys. Minute... A word here which means obscure facts. So it's mushroom. It was in the table of contents that all that that's all I've read so far. It was about halfway through. She brought the book over to the table and ran her finger down through the table of contents while the Baudelaire's leaned over to see. Chapter 36. The Yeast of the Beast. Chapter 37. Morale, Behavior, and Free Society. Chapter 38. Fung- fungible mold, moldable fungi. 
Chapter 39, Visitable Fungal Ditches, Chapter 40. This Georginian grotto there. Grotto? Sunny asks. Grotto's another word for cave, Klaus explained, as Fiona flipped ahead to the chapter 40. The Georginian, George, wait, maybe it's Gore? Gorgonian Grotto, she read, located in prop, oh my gosh, these words are just, oh my gosh, if you're an adult, try and read these, this book out loud, you're going to feel like a total um, degenerate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's try this again. The Gorgonian Grotto, she read, located in Propinquity, oh my gosh, Propinquity to Anne Whistle Aquatics has appropriately wrath-like, oh my god, nomenclature with the roots in the Grecian mythology as the (laughs) conical cavern is, okay, I feel like I'm reading the Joey's job interview or I'm so sorry. Joey's letter of recommendation when Chandler and Monica go to adopt a baby. Okay. Blah. I, I told you that book was too different. Captain Wooderson said as a young child can't unlock this sort of vocabulary. Neither can an adult. It's very complicated prose style. Klaus admitted, but I think I know what it says. The Gorgonian grotto was named after something in Greek mythology. A Gorgon, Violet said, like the woman with the snakes instead of hair. She could turn people into stone, Fiona said. She was probably nice when you got to know her, Phil said. Aye, I think I went to school with such a woman, Captain said. I don't think she was a real person, Klaus said. I think she was legendary. The books say that it's appropriate that the grotto's named after the legendary monster because there's a sort of monster living in the cave. A bugaboo. A bugaboo? Oh my god, there's a moochie guy? Uh, Peyton's fallen asleep and she probably wouldn't think that's funny anyways. A bugaboo can be a kind of a monster, Klaus said. We could call Count Olaf a bugaboo if we felt so inclined. I'd rather not speak of him at all, Violet said. This bugaboo fungus is a fungus of some sort, Fiona said, and continued reading the mushroom of the... Not even going to try it. Yeah, I am. Metasoid mycelium has a unique conductive strategy of waxing and waning. First, a brief dormant cycle in which mycelium is nearly invisible, and then a precipitated flowering into speckled stalks and caps of such intense venom that the for- that it's fortunate to the, gr- to the grotto serves as a quarantine. I don't understand all of this scientific terminology, Klaus said. I did, Fiona said. There are three main parts to the mushroom. One is the cap, which is shaped like the umbrella. The second is the stalk, which hold the umbrella up. Those are the parts that you can see. There's also a part of the mushroom that you ca- there's a part of the mushroom that you can't see. Violet said, "Yep, it's called the mycelium." Fiona replied, "It's like a bunch of thread branching all, branching out underneath the ground. Some mushrooms have mycelia that goes out for miles." How would you spell mycelium? Klaus asked, reaching down for his waterproof pocket. I want to write this down in my commonplace book. (sighs) Fiona pointed to the word on the page. The metis... Oh my god. Metasoid mycelium waxes and wanes, she said, which means that the caps in the stalks spring up from the my from the mycelium and then wither away and then spring up again it sounds like you wouldn't know the mushrooms are there until they poke up out of the ground 
the Baudelaire's pictured a group of mushrooms suddenly springing out under their feet and felt a bit queasy as if they already knew that the dreadful encounter would have some would have some with this terrible fungus. That sounds very unnerving, Violet said. It gets worse, Fiona said. The mushrooms are exceedingly poisonous. Listen to this. As the poet says, a single spore has such a grim power that you may die within an hour. A spore is like a, a spore is like a seed, but it ha, but if it has a place to grow, it will become another mycelium. But if someone eats it or even breathes it in, it can cause death. Within the hour, Klaus said. That's fast-acting poison. Most fungal poisons have cures, Fiona said. The poison of the deadly fungus can be the source of some wonderful medicines. Oh, that's true. I'm an herbalist. I can tell you that's true. I've been working on a few myself. This book says that quickly, that luckily the grotto has acts of quarantine. Quor was, Sonny asked. Quarantine is something, is when something dangerous is isolated. So, in the, so the danger cannot spread, Klaus explained, because the metasoid mycelium is uncharted waters and very few people have been poisoned. If someone brought even one spore to dry land, who knows what would happen? And we wouldn't find out, Captain Wooderson said. We're not going to take any spores, I. We're not going to grab the sugar bowl and be on our way, I. I'll set a couple courses right now. The captain bounced from a from the table and began to climb the rope ladder of the Queequeg's controls. Are you sure that we should continue our mission? Fiona asked over her stepfather, shutting the book. It sounds very dangerous. Dangerous? Aye. Dangerous and scary? Aye. Scary and difficult? Aye. Difficult and mysterious? Aye. Mysterious and uncomfortable? Aye. Uncomfortable and risky? Aye. Risky and noble? Aye. I suppose the fungus can't hurt if we're under the if we're inside the submarine. Phil said, struggling to remain optimistic. Even if it could, Captain cried, standing on top of the rope ladder, gesturing dramatically as he delivered an impassionated oratory, a phrase here which means emotional speech that the Baudelaire's found utterly convincing, even if they did not quite agree with the word. The amount of treachery in this world is enormous, he cried. Aye. Think of the crafts we saw at the sonar screen. Think of Count Olaf's enormous submarine, and even more enormous than that that chased it away. Aye. There's always something more enormous and more terrifying on our trails, aye, and so many of us noble submarines are gone, aye. Do you think that the Herman Melville suits are only noble for uniforms in the world? They're... There used to be volunteers with P.G. White House on their uniforms and Carl Van Vechten. There was Commons and Cleary and Archie and Metchable, and now volunteers are scarce. So the best we can do is one small noble thing, I like retrieving the sugar bowl from the Gorgonian Grotto, which, no matter how grim it sounds, I remember my personal philosophy, who, he, who hesitates, is lost. Or she, Fiona said. Or she, Captain agreed. Aye, aye, Violet cried. Aye, Klaus shouted. Aye, Sunny shrieked. Hooray, Phil yelled. Captain Wittershins peered down in an annoyance at Phil, who would have preferred for him to say aye along with everyone else. Cookie, he ordered, do the dishes. The rest of you can get some shut-eye. Aye, shut-eye, Violet asked. I mean... Aye, it means sleep, the captain explained. We know what it means, Klaus said. We're just surprised that we're supposed to sleep through the mission. It'll take some time to get down to the cave, the captain said. I want you four to be well rested in case you're needed. Now, go to your barracks, aye. 
It is one of the bitterest truths of the bedtime so often arrives just when things are really getting interesting. The Baudelaire's were not particularly in, a, in the mood to toss and turn in the Queequeg's barracks, a word here which means a type of boredom that is usually uncomfortable. As the submarine drew closer and closer, the mysterious grotto and its indispensable item, a phrase here which means the sugar bowl, although the children did not know why it was so important. But as they followed Fiona out of the main hall and back down the corridor, past the plaque advertising the captain's personal philosophy on the door to order the supply room and uncountable number of leaky metal pipes, and the siblings felt quite tired. And by the time Fiona opened the door to reveal a small green-lit room stacked with saggy bunk beds, the three children were already yawning. Perhaps it was because of their long, exhausting day, which had begun in the icy summit of Mount Frott. But Violet did not ponder one single mechanical idea as she got to bed, as she usually did before she went to sleep. Klaus had scarcely had no time to put on his glasses on the small bedside table before he nodded off, a phrase here which means fell asleep without considering even the books he had recently read. Sunny curled up on a pillow, and she didn't waste one moment dreaming up new recipes, preferably entrees, that were less mushy than chowder, and she still enjoyed biting things as much as she did when she was a baby, before she was dreaming herself, and even Fiona, whose bedtime habits are less familiar than that of the Baudelaire's, put her glasses next to Klaus's on the... Oh, Fiona, I was like, Violet doesn't have glasses, Fiona's, put her glasses next to Klaus's and was asleep in moments. The whirring the whirring engine of the Queequeg sent them deeper and deeper into a slumber for several hours, and they probably would have slept much longer if the children hadn't been awakened by a terrible and terribly familiar noise. It was a loud, unnerving scraping, like a fingernail against the chalkboard, and the Baudelaire's were almost shaken out of their entire submarine, shaken out of their bed as the entire submarine rattled. What was that? Violet asked. We hit something, Fiona said grimly and grabbed her glasses in one hand and her diving helmet in the other. We'd better see what the situation is. The Baudelaire's nodded in agreement and hurried out of the barracks and back down the corridor. There was an unnerving, an unnerving splashing coming from a few of the tubes. Klaus had to pick up Sunny and carry her over a few large puddles. Is the submarine collapsing, Klaus asked. We'll know, we'll know soon enough, Fiona said, and she was correct. In moments, she had led the Baudelaire's back to the main hall where Phil and the captain were standing at the table, staring at the porthole into the black nothingness. They each had a grim expression on their face, and although Phil was trying to smile at the same time, it's good that you got some rest, the optimist said. There's a real adventure ahead of you. I'm glad you brought your diving helmets, Captain Wittershin said. Aye. Why, Violet said. Is the Queequeg seriously damaged? Aye, the captain said. I mean, no, the submarine is damaged, but she'll hold for now. We reached the Gorgonian Grotto in about an hour, and I was able to steer us inside with no problem. But the cave got narrower and narrower as we maneuvered further and further inside. The book said the grotto was conical. Klaus said, that means it's shaped like a cone. Aye, the captain said. The entrance was wide, was the wide end of the cone, but now it's too narrow for the submarine to travel. If we want to retrieve the sugar bowl, we'll have to use something smaller. A petro petroscope, Sonny said. No, captain said. 
a child. Okay, that is not something that I would want to be doing. No, thank you. Right, Peyton? Yeah, for sure, because I'm still totally awake right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good night.